This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. We really have some of the best listeners around. I am absolutely amazed by the growth that we've been having, both personally and professionally. Over here at Mindset HQ, we have been moving the ball forward so fast, reaching so many people. I'm amazed. And it's because of great people like you. So keep listening. If you love what we're doing, please share it with a friend. Check us out on Instagram, on Facebook, and shoot us a message. Let us know if you like what we're doing. Let us know what you like about it or what you'd like to hear more of because we are here to serve. This is about helping other people live a better life every day, something I truly believe in. So thank you, everybody. Drop a five-star review if you can and join us, the Insider Club at theinvestormindset.com. Now let's jump into this episode. All right. Welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. Really excited here. I have an amazing guest, Brandon Voss. How you doing today, Brandon? I'm doing fantastic, man. I'm doing really good, Stephen. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be with you. Well, I'm super excited to have you because Never Split the Difference, written by Chris Voss, is one of my favorite books. I've read it so many times. So many people I know have read it. It's been a big influence on us. And Brandon is the one who's leading up the charge on putting all that training into practice for people in so many different industries. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and about some of your background today. How's that sound, Brandon? Sounds good to me, man. I'm excited. Awesome. Well, I'm excited too. So you've obviously had a lot of success. You are teaching some of the best real estate investors, entrepreneurs, pretty much people from every industry negotiation. But if we take a look back what are some of the events or influences that shaped your life today? You know, that's a real interesting question. And, and there's kind of, there's really like three moments or three instances, if you will, that kind of come to mind. Two from the teenage years and, and one from adolescence and kind of starting from the beginning. Being able to travel out to the Midwest as a kid. Right, everybody knows. Well, most people know Chris is actually from Iowa, right? He's got the New York accent and things, but he's originally from Iowa, and so uh, his parents still live out there. And and getting to go out there as a kid and growing up like in the East Coast, you know, urban New Jersey, you know, North Jersey area, and being able to go from there to the Midwest and experience two very different environments, you know, that that was definitely a big one. And you know, my grandfather, his his father was an entrepreneur, and so getting getting to see somebody build something with their hands from a young age mm-hmm. and experience that out there was was definitely a big one. I could imagine that coming from the city life, where everything's hustle and bustle, and everything's pre made for you to go out to the Midwest, some country land. I, I'm sure that is a big change for you. Yeah, yeah, and no, I was it was it was definitely different. You know, he had uh, they lived in town, you know, in a little southeast Iowa in a little town called Mount Pleasant, which is a town that uh, that Chris actually grew up in and um so they had the house there and then the main office was just outside of town, you know, a small little office just outside the the city border and or the town border I should say, right? Tiny little town. But yeah, it was interesting. It was it was fun. Yeah, definitely going from an urban environment to that. You know, jumping on a bus every day to go to school to, you know, now I'm 
I'm uh, riding a bike out to the office because I, I got grass to mow. You know, it was, it, was, it, was, it was interesting. And what did your grandparents do for work or for business? So he uh, ran a company called Voss Petroleum and kind of a sub partner of that was uh, Joyce Ann Incorporated. So Voss Petroleum was run by my grandfather and kind of the, the sub partnership was with my grandmother and she handled wow. a lot of the back office stuff and he was the front runner out selling, moving and, and they, uh, they, they were middlemen for gasoline. You know, convenience stores and different gas stations need gas and the gas company, um, you know, needs somebody to get it from one place to another. And so he, he built out a little a little business for himself, being a middleman, dropping gas off, and found out that running a convenience store was definitely the way to go. And and started you know a, a chain of what he called Mustang Markets. So you had that entrepreneurship thing going on within your family from the very beginning, even while Chris Chris Voss, which is your father, was working in the FBI. You were able to kind of see a little bit of two different kinds of worlds. Somebody who's working for the government and living one kind of lifestyle and then somebody who's a, a, an entrepreneur, a business owner, living another. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, he's been an entrepreneur for a long time. So Chris got to see the way he worked growing up. And, and I think that helped us both going into our own endeavor together. And, and as Chris will tell you, and any, anybody that's worked for the government will tell you, you know, they don't, they don't teach you how to be a businessman in the government. Right, that's yeah. not your purpose. They don't they don't prep you for life outside of those four walls that you're we're working in. And so, you know, it's been a learning experience for us both, and and it's been cool to go through it together. I, I could imagine. So, tell us a little bit about what it is that you guys are doing. Obviously, negotiation training is a big piece of it, but kind of walk us through a little bit about what it is that the Black Swan Group does. Yeah, well, you know, in the early days but before the book came out. We were definitely trying to cater more towards corporate training, you know, the Fortune 100, Fortune 500. And now that the book has been out for a couple of years and it's, and it's also selling really well, right, as a lot of people know, mm-hmm. uh, we really kind of started to shift our focus more towards the individual. And as it turns out, you know, the individual works for the corporation. So those yeah. things, you know, very nicely uh, tend to go hand in hand. And, and that said, um, you know, we do a lot of training. We do a lot of coaching. Those are our two biggest sources of revenue. And Chris obviously does a lot of keynotes, and, and so, does, so does Derek Gaunt. And I realize I'm name-dropping here a little bit, but one of our other main instructors, Derek Gaunt, uh, came out with a book in February, Ego Authority Failure, and it's selling well, and he's also doing keynotes. And so those are kind of, you know, the three top things that we do. And we also have some, some virtual courses. We got another live virtual course we're going to launch mm-hmm. uh, towards the end of the summer. You know, we haven't, done, we haven't done a live virtual course in about a year. So we're excited to get that thing off the ground. And, and there's also a couple of things that we're launching to the website. You know, some email negotiations. But really, really the things we're trying to provide other than either live or in-person training is support that people can rely on, on on essentially a daily basis, right? Something you can pick up, you can read it real fast, digest it, and then go about your day and make every communication that you're in better. Well, it's like you can get so much from this book. I know it's personally changed my life because I think there's one really interesting thing about learning to be a better communicator, which is, I think, a big part of the negotiation game, is that when you are a better communicator, people people like you more. And when people like you more, you're able to 
end up getting what you want and they feel like they're getting what they want. So I've taken a lot away from that. But talk to me a little bit. What is it that you do with uh, Black Swan Group on a day-to-day basis? So my technical title is Director of Operations and Training. And uh, if you've ever been a person in any of those seats, you know that that essentially means you wear many hats. And so, right, for anything from creating content to instructing on site to, you know, frontline sales to all the way down to handling, you know, taxes and, and uh, financial spreadsheets, you know, it's, there's a lot of different things that I, that I got my hand in, but I, I love to teach. You know, my, my favorite thing to do is to meet people and talk about communication challenges and essentially just help people come up with a better way to do it. Just like a, just like a lot of things, when you can look, when you're familiar with a circumstance or, and, and, and you're not emotionally involved and you can stand back and look at the information at arm's length, you see it from a very different perspective. And so I, I love being able to do that. And then with the expertise I've managed to learn through sales and with working with my dad and the other guys I've been fortunate enough to meet, you know, that's, that's a fun thing. You know, it's, it's, it's fun to help people tackle new things in life. So walk us through your journey on getting into this space. Obviously, you had one of the best coaches out there right at home to kind of deliver some of this information to you. I'm sure you grew up around it. But talk us through how did you end up making the decision that this is something I want to invest my life in? Well, you know, to, to kind of answer the first part in regards to a mentor, you know, definitely lucky, blessed. I mean, there's a plethora of words you can come up with to describe how lucky I am to be in this situation. And I got to tell you, my dad's still my dad. And, you yeah. know, while he was tough on me, it's still his job to encourage and things like that. And so I got to admit, I learned a lot of tough lessons outside the home, just like a lot of people did. Right. Yeah. And, and dad was there to, to be supportive all the way through. And, you know, great person. I got a sounding board. Right. I need to talk through this thing. Who can I bounce this off of? Right. It's my father. That was that was a cool thing. But, you know, sales, you know, early on in sales, going going door to door, you know, pushing Verizon's name. You know, that was starting out like doing that. There, there's a certain grit that door to door sales gets you that I think it's, you can't really earn it anywhere else. Yeah. And it's so interesting to talk to top level salespeople now that want to discuss their, their early days going door to door and, and getting past the no solicitation signs and grumpy people. And, you know, it just, there's, there's something to that. And so, yeah, definitely learned a lot doing that. And I've always enjoyed people, you know, just personally, right. I like the people watch. I like the, I like to see how people operate. I like to see how they carry themselves you know, it's just, it's fascinating. People are, people are so interesting. And so sales came naturally in a lot of ways, just because I like to interact. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you start coupling, you know, the love for, for working with people and then getting agreements to move forward and agreements that make everybody happy, right? Agreements where everybody's making money on the, on the back end. And you combine that with the level of communication from a guy like Chris Voss. And it's just, it's fun, man. And, and it's a learning experience every day. You know, I don't know if I'll ever be as good as I, as I should be, but, you know, just trying to get better all the time, you know? But that's that, that's that mindset of you want to continue to grow and continue to progress. If somebody were, you were going to give somebody some advice and they're maybe early in their career, they're a young gunner, or there's somebody who's been doing something else for a really long time and they, they want to get good at sales. They want to get good at this. Where should they start? 
and who should they model? Wow, that is that is that's a good question. Well, first of all, I got to get the book, right? Go <laughs> check get it that, out. That never split the difference book to be in sales. It just it takes a certain amount. You got to have a thick skin to be in sales. If you've mm-hmm. ever been in it in any capacity, you know that it takes a thick skin and staying as Derek Gaunt would like to say, staying cognitively flexible as a salesperson is tough because you generally got quotas to meet. God forbid if you're commission only sales, then you're in a whole, you're in a whole new boat, right? You got, you got an unlimited ceiling, but there ain't no floor either. You know, that's, that's one of those things, right? So, yeah. but people don't like you just cause you're in sales. Uh, initial impressions for a salesperson are almost always bad just because you're always fighting it uphill. I'm a salesperson battle. And so, you know, things, and I can't think of the guy's name, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, you know, things, things that he talks about are essential for mindset. And so, you know, that's, um, and then Kiyosaki, I can't think, uh, rich dad, poor dad, you know, those are, those are good. Those are good places to start looking early on. If you're, if you're early in your sales career, Jordan Belfort, yeah. um, Wolf of Wall Street is who you're thinking of. Exactly. Yeah. Jordan Belfort. Exactly. Right. Yeah. There's certain, the guy's got grit, you know, that's, that's the one thing yeah. that you can, you can see it in the book and the way that his story is told. And you can, I mean, if you got a chance to watch the movie too, I think DiCaprio probably did a really good job emulating this guy and there's just a certain toughness that you got to have but also at the same time without being let me shove my product or service down your throat you know there's a fine line in there that uh you know it's it's tough to balance all the times yeah yeah absolutely so as a hostage negotiator trainer and you're bringing these skill sets to the business world how did you go about converting it and bringing what had been working so well in the public sector and bringing that to this the, the business world? Understanding on the business side that you are in fact dealing with emotions. In mm-hmm. hostage negotiations, they're well aware that they're dealing with emotions, number one. And then number two, in order to get around an emotion or try to you know, I, I, you know, dodge, and, dodge an emotional issue because you want to focus on facts, and maybe telling a lie to get around it, you know, that don't fly in the hostage negotiation world. Uh-huh. And, and the two things in business that shocked us both, for me, was the lack of understanding in the moment that you're dealing with an emotion. You know, people mm-hmm. at, outside of the office or, you know, at, at, th- at a theoretical level, like, oh, yeah, you know, it's emotional, this and that. And then you get at the table and you forget that you're actually faced with an emotion. Like, mm-hmm. I can't believe they reacted that way. You are faced with an emotion. You got to figure out how to deal with the emotion, right? And like, yeah. you shouldn't be asking yourself that question. So that was one. And then another one is, you know, how much lying there was, you know, and it doesn't yeah. mean that everybody lies, but there is a, a percentage that does. And, you know, and, and I got to see this in sales as well. You know, you see this in sales a lot. You know that you can tell a little lie and make a great sale. And that, yeah. that lie works every time. And it's like, that's just a small lie, right? You see that in your environment. That was what was tough for sales for me, was watching that all the time. That happens in the mm-hmm. private sector as well. You know, we'll tell a little fib just to get around this thing, right? We run up into this sort of term, or this type of situation, we'll just do this. And it's not exactly honest. And, you know, that doesn't fly in the hostage negotiation world. So those were, those were two big things 
that I think surprised us up front. So how do you end up handling when somebody is lying? How do you go about confirming that it's a lie? Or how do you go about dealing with that, just knowing that that's going to be something that's going to be on the table? Yeah, well, there's, you know, initially, you know, working in threes. And so there's, there's several things you got to understand, some of which we explain in the book. First of all, there's three types of yeses, mm-hmm. right? You got your confirmation, your counterfeit, and your commitment. The counterfeit yeah. yes is, is running rampant all the time. And that's one of those really, really small lies. People will say yes to get you to shut up, to get you to go away, yeah. to move on to the next thing. I didn't, I didn't commit to anything. I just know if I say yeah or I say you're right right now, we'll move forward. And I'm yeah. exhausted by you. That's a small version of a lie. So something that small all the way out to you know much bigger things, right? So understanding that up front, and then countering it with what we refer to as the rule of three. Okay. And so when you've got a, a commitment or a confirmation from someone, you got to get them to lock that in three times in the same conversation. And, you know, obviously there's a sequence to it that involves labels and mirrors and those things, but you got to use those tools to get them to say it two more times, mm-hmm. right? You got the first one, you got to get two more out of them. And really, really judge how the yes changes as you work your way through the interaction. You know, so that that's a big one, using the rule of three. And we talk about that in the book. I, I wish I had the page uh, uh, top of mind, but for those of you that got the book, you can look it up in the index and it'll point you right at it. We'll include that in the show notes for anybody who's looking for that. If you want to just click on the podcast episode, you can just click right into the show notes and we'll... We'll specify what page that's on for you. Perfect. Yeah, man. Thank you. Um, and then there's another one in regards to use the use of summary. You know, we're when we're making a point to summarize someone else's understanding, right? Not the way we see it, but try to summarize how we think they might see it. And so, if you craft your summary and it's designed for them to be very truthful or for them to con- confirm a point. Right? You throw that into your summary, right? And there's some nuance designed to how you wordsmith that. But essentially, you're looking for a that's right as a response to a summary. And if you've thrown a bunch of truth into your summary and their response is not that's right, uh-huh. then there's something wrong with the contents of what's in there and how they see it, right? And so now you know there's an issue. You got to identify the problem before you can solve it. I summarized these specific things. I did not get to that's right. I didn't get to that's it exactly. So there's something wrong with what's going on in here. And now my communication has got to be steered to really picking that apart. So when you run into that situation and you're talking with somebody and you don't get a that's right, what's the next step? What do you do there? Do you start over the process and you start digging back in? And, and if so, what kind of questions might you ask? No, that's, that's, yeah, I like that. It's a great question. This comes up a lot in our training and, and probably at our live events, the top five questions, like this is one of those top five. Yeah. And the short answer is you, you follow with a label. And we, we define labels in the book. For those of you that aren't familiar with the term, it's essentially a, a verbal observation that starts with the words, it seems like, it sounds like, it looks like, or it feels like. Right? Those are kind uh-huh. of your four avenues to choose from, and then you just add on whatever dynamic you're trying to identify in the moment. And so in this instance, you're not getting the answer that you're looking for. You could just easily say, it seems like I missed something. Yeah. Or it sounds like I'm off base. 
right? In communication with a list of negotiation nine, there's several avenues, right? Of course, that you can choose from, but real easy one is to drop one of those labels in. Okay, so you drop a label and then what? Well, the idea is to get them to explain what it is, right? If I'm off base, I need you to help me get back on base. And the other thing about it is you have to correct the situation in order to get me back on base, in order to get me back on the right track, as it were. Uh And people happen to be very honest when they're correcting. Yeah. So you're kind of hitting on a human nature response of people love to correct. They happen to be very honest when they do it. Let me put them in a position to correct. And then, you know, at first I want to be somewhat open-ended on what it was that I got wrong or what it was that I'm off base about. So very general, right? It seems like I'm really off base. And the subtext there is, please help me understand. Mm-hmm. Right? In the conversation, we want to say, I need to, you need to help me understand this. Right? I, I, need, I need to get this. I need, I need to, you uh-huh. know, look, help me figure this out. Or let's be clear. Right? You want to say things like that. And with a good, genuine label, especially yeah. one that, that really identifies, hey, I am off base. What did I get wrong? Please help me out. You get to say all of that within your message and just a few simple words. Yeah. Yeah, that makes so much sense. So if somebody's interested in learning more about sales and negotiation, they should obviously check out Jordan Belfort. They should obviously check out Chris Voss and uh, never split the difference. Um, but what are some of the things that they should practice, maybe on a daily basis, uh, that can help them get better? What, what is one, one thing that you would want to, if, if there was one strategy and you were like, Stephen, go perfect this strategy. Maybe it's the easiest one. Maybe it's the hardest one. Um, but what's the one thing that you would suggest? Hey, if you put this into your repertoire, you're going to see results. It might take you some time, but if you get really good at that, things are going to change for you. No, very good. So I'll kind of answer this in, in two parts. First of all, the one skill you want to take with you, and if you master it, you're going to get results every time, is the label. Obviously, that's, that's my favorite. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. interesting. All of us have our favorite skill or set of skills. The label is definitely my favorite. Um, you know, we definitely, we also use it to really gather information, right? We don't use questions to gather info uh-huh. because certain people are very off put by questions. They're very skeptical of them, especially if there's no relationship built. But the label, especially good labels, make the conversation feel much more natural. So that's, that's one. And then as far as practice, you know, we, we love mm-hmm. talking about low stakes practice and where people can get some of that in. And so a low stakes practice where you got a little bit of skin in the game, but not enough to drive you insane is calling utility companies and renegotiating your bill. You know, when I'm, when we're coaching people, one of the first places we go is like, you got to, between now and the next call, you got to renegotiate one of your utility bills and you got to tell me what happened. And these are the steps you're going to follow. And you know, those are low hanging fruit, right? Customer service reps in any capacity are always getting yelled at by people. So if you come in, right, you talked about good communication makes people like you better. You become instantly likable to a customer service rep and they will bend over backwards for you. I've seen that in my own personal life. It's, it's like if you start using some of these techniques and what's crazy, what's really cool is a lot of people naturally use them. And when you go and read this book, if you haven't, I definitely recommend go and buy it right now. Buy the physical book, buy it on Audible, listen to it. Um, because when you start applying these things and you start saying, you know, it seems like, and I kind of hear what you're saying there, you know, what's that mean? What's that like? And you start using these things, 
you start getting upgraded on planes, you start getting freebies, but, <laughs> but it's not because you're asking for those things, it's because people want to give them to you, which is so cool. Yeah, yeah, so it hits cool. it on the head, man. Like you just, you make it easy for people to talk to you and you'd be surprised how much easier your daily life becomes. So you're obviously not in the real estate game, but negotiation, I think, is one of the most important things for a lot of our listeners. So what is it that you think allows you and your clients to succeed when so many others fail at negotiation? That's a good question. That's a really good question. And, and I'll start kind of, uh, kind of twofold, and, and, but both very interrelated. And I think it starts with confidence, you know, where people get tripped up yeah. is they got a lack of confidence for one reason or another. And secondly, because they don't feel like they have specific tools, like specific things that I can say, which is one of the reasons, you know, we talked about lying earlier, why that can catch on. Cause you know, you can remember a lie, a short little lie, right? You can remember that if it works every time, right? It's easy to execute. And so, right, that part of the brain, the way that we remember stuff, we just access that by using short stuff like labels and mirrors and, and, uh, and good calibrated questions, right? And, and so when people have skills, they have more confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, those things that people feel like they have more tools in their toolbox, they're instantly more confident. And they have kind of like what is a 1A, right? If those are both one, right, confidence mm-hmm. and, and skill set, you know, your 1A is then compromising your position. And people have a tendency to compromise themselves before they get in the room. That goes away. That mindset just goes away when you've got the skill set and you got confidence that comes with it, right? You no longer go into a conversation and go, we can't ask them that. We can never say that to them. Or we can't ask uh-huh. them this because this is what they're going to say back. Yeah. Those conversations stop happening in your office before you walk into the negotiation room. Yeah, that's powerful. So you've been building this business. You're obviously director of operations. You're wearing a lot of hats. You're leading some of the training. You're delivering you know, an amazing service. What are some of the challenges that you've ran into along the way as a, you know, a business owner like yourself? Uh, you know, the first big challenge was, was getting our, our first client, obviously like any, any business, right? When you're, when you're starting out the blocks, you want to get that first revenue stream rolling. Right. And so that was a big challenge. And then oddly enough, uh, after the book came out was another challenge because it was another, another growth in our business, obviously. And we, like I said earlier, we started changing our, our business focus a little bit more, but the real, the 180 shift of prior to the book coming out, the resume of Chris, right? The sexy marketable piece, right? That we wanted uh-huh. to build the business off of. Out the blocks for us was not as helpful as we thought, right? The, uh-huh. the impression was, that's wonderful. I negotiate business deals. You negotiate hostages. That's not the, yeah. th- the same thing. You can't help me. Right. And that's that was the hill that we were climbing. Right. How do we get around that objection? And after the book has come out, you know, that's been the push behind everything. Right. How could we not have the training? You know, hostage negotiation. And so that, you know, this trying to ice skate uphill to now all of a sudden you're like barefoot going downhill on skids. And it's and it's just like, whoa, 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 what is happening? You know, those those were two. Two interesting points, right at the very beginning, and then the shift after the book. You know, it's it's again, it's a blessing in a lot of ways, but you know, you learn a lot as a business person and and as a team. 
So it's almost like there was really two time periods before the book and after the book. And it sounds like the book was kind of that pivotal moment for your guys' business in being able to communicate that message clearly on why you guys could deliver value. Yeah, yeah, it's a, I think that's a good way to put it, kind of like uh, almost like before and after pictures a little bit. But what's nice is it got the word out. You know, one thing that we have always mm-hmm. been hesitant in all of our marketing, even to this day, right? You go on our website, you don't see a list of client logos. Yeah. And that's all been very intentional, you know? And, uh-huh. and so um, the book was a really quick marketable piece to really start getting the name out there. And that was Chris's intention behind it the whole time, right? The build up to the sure. book, you know, on our end was like four and a half years, right? It was a long time. We went through many writers wow. and and finally, you know, ended up with the right team of people and and the right, you know, tall as a genius. And so, um, but yeah, it's 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 definitely been it's been a ride, man. It's been a fun ride. So it's been a huge shift, and you didn't. It sounds like you didn't intend for that to change the focus of your business onto focusing on the individual. Why did you end up deciding to go that direction? Well, the, you know, the supply and demand, you know, that's, totally. that's why a lot of businesses might shift certain aspects of what they do, right? Like the demand is there, we got to figure out, we got to supply this thing. And so, you know, that's, that's really was the biggest driver. Um, you know, we had, we had started trying to do small, um, like kind of one day events and partnership with, with, uh, you know, the camp group, you know, early on mm-hmm. and we, we had fun yep. doing that. And that's kind of what got us started on, on trying to arrange events. And as the book popularity has grown, you know, we've done, we've done a little bit bigger events, had more people in, we're still trying to limit, limit size, obviously, because we, we say intimacy is a required piece of the learning environment. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of how we started, and the book just you know really started propelling that. Well, it's crazy, because when I read the book, I remember, I remember very clearly, I read the book, and I was like, how do I find a way to go out and talk to these people? I need, to, I need to get in this training. I need to go. And I had just missed one of the camp trainings in LA. And I was like, well, there's nothing else. There's nothing for me. And so uh, I think it's so smart for you guys to be delivering, you know, direct to individual training because it's valuable because the stuff from the book is valuable. I remember, and I'd recommend everybody go out and do this. If you read the book and you think it's was something that, you know, is worth reading 10 more times like I did, um, I would recommend go out and find some of those interviews, those podcast interviews with Chris is talking because hearing these little differences in the way that people kind of talk about these things is where you end up getting the most value. It's like the book is a introduction to these techniques. And then when you hear them and you start applying them, that's when you can really start using them effectively. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's, that. uh, yeah. He's, he's, he says a lot of good stuff on those podcasts. You got to listen to them. <laughs> Definitely. I would recommend the James Altucher podcast if you want to go look up one specific that I took a lot away from. So talk to me a little bit about what are some of your keystone habits some of the things that you do on a daily or weekly basis that you think make a big impact in your life? Well, one, one is, you know, something that we coach our people up on and that's keeping a list of go-to skills next to your phone or on your desk or, you know, in your jacket pocket or in your purse, right? Where, wherever you need to keep it, something you can refer back to quickly. That's, that's definitely a big one. Um, you know, if you don't take notes while you're in a conversation, you're you're hurting yourself, right? Even if it, even if it's in person, 
um, you know, you got you to take good notes. And that's, that's a helpful one. People also have a tendency to talk more when they see you writing things down in front of them, right? It's kind of, you know, another one of those human nature uh, buttons that you can push at, at will. So, you know, why, why not take advantage of that? And then also, um, you know, mindset going in. You know, that's the big thing. What are the, what's the consistent mindset you want to have when you're entering that conversation? What do you want that to look like, right? And if you've ever been an athlete, you understand, right? That game time mentality before you step on the court, before you walk on the field, same thing, right? And how, how does that help you shape your communication? And again, keep you cognitively flexible throughout. Absolutely. Well, those are some amazing habits that you should do heading into a negotiation. I, you know, I was writing some things down myself right there, so I don't forget. Um, but tell me, what are some of the keystone habits that you personally do on a daily basis that helps you kind of live at your best level? Oh, well, you know, it's um, using the team as a sounding board, mm-hmm. you know, especially in our business. You know, we got, you got to communicate a lot, right, internally, just like any other business. Um, leaning on team members that are also experts in the field. That's a good one. And that's, that's a, that's a daily thing. Some capacity. I'm talking to somebody on the team about a very specific communication issue or negotiation that I was in or that they were in. And that, that keeps things just top of mind. You know, if you're constantly sure. thinking about it, you're analyzing how you're going to do your next interaction better. Um, just because you have, you have that habit. That's, that's one. And of course, you know, I do a lot of phone calls, right? Being involved with sales in some aspect. I, I'm naturally an assertive. And so making myself smile right before I walk into a sales call, right before I'm going to have an interaction where I'm trying to influence behavior. You know, I actually, when I'm in my office alone, I jump up and down and I'll be like, okay, you got to smile, you got to smile, you got to smile, you got to smile. Because that helps my tone of voice, that helps my mm-hmm. affect, that helps my delivery. All yeah. of that leads to what you were talking about earlier, right? The, the trail to being likable. Absolutely. All of that is a, the first initial steps. And so if you got that pretty good, you're, you're probably going to be okay in the long run. So that's, you know, those are, those are two big ones. Leaning, leaning, on, leaning on team members. And then, um, you know, for me, just like anything else, you got to have time to clear your head. I love dogs. I got a couple of dogs of my own. And so taking 10 minutes every day to, to work with them and clear the mind, right, is, is always a good one. So those, those are kind of like that's three powerful. big habits that, that pretty much on a daily basis, that's what I'm making sure I do. I love that. I love that. So we've made it to the growth fire round where the questions are quick, but the answers don't need to be. <laughs> so tell me, what's a book that's impacted your life the most or one you're the most excited about right now? And it can't be your guys' book. <laughs> Can it be Derek's book? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a good one, man. I I um I've always really liked Getting More by Stuart Diamond, and, and really anything uh-huh. Stuart Diamond talks about. You know, Warren Professor, uh, psychology background. I believe he still is teaching a negotiation course up at Wharton. If he's not, he was for a long time, and he has got a feel for human interaction that I haven't really been able to find anywhere else. You know, it's interesting. He has a certain understanding for it and the complexities of it and also how important it is to, to society and daily life. And he just, he gets it. 
And so I always like listening to his podcast. You know, he talks about communicating through email better, um, you know, and, and getting more as a good resource. And so, that, you know, that's, that's one I lean on pretty hard and have for a while. I love that. That's great. So purpose, why do you do what you do, Brandon? You know, it's interesting. In the, in the early days, I would have said I do what I do because me and my dad are a team, right? And, um, you know, the mindset, you know, him as the business owner being the lead, his mindset coming in was, you know, he wants to teach people how to deal with bullies. Uh-huh. You know, when you're at the table and that person's pushing you around, how do you stand up to that person? And how do you do it well, right? You yeah. don't got to storm out. You don't got to get up and leave. You don't got to slam your hands down and get emotionally irate, right? You don't got to do none of those things. How do you handle them really well? And that has really trickled down to me being a part of the business yeah. and having him as a mentor and, you know, teaching somebody that's sick of getting beat up or sick of not being able to get over this one hurdle, especially in regards to a particular individual and being able to help that person come out on the other side victorious. You know, that's a cool thing. That's that's pretty cool. So from an inspiration standpoint, who are some of your mentors and how do they influence your career? You know, that's that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I got I got I got several. You know, they're they're kind of all over the place. You know, there's a yeah, there's you know, for all intents and purposes, a business coach that we're working with right now. Uh, you know, I'll name drop him uh, Jonathan Smith and and he's I, I see him very much as a mentor for me because he's always he's always there and He's always got good advice. You know, he's a great sounding board. It's also someone, right, that I can lean on outside of my dad. Right? I've always been like that. Like, uh-huh. my dad's that guy. Everybody knows. Like, even when I was a kid, everybody knows who he is. I got I to gotta have other resources. I got I to gotta be able to yeah. turn other places, right? And so, you know, he's one. Early on in the early days, um, you know, uh, several football coaches that I had. You know, Coach Shaleri when I was in, in high school playing football in Jersey and Coach Kearns, you know, those guys, just football teaches you about life and your coach is one of those people that kind of helps you figure some of that stuff out. Yep. And so in the early days of high school football, you know, those guys for sure. You know, obviously my father throughout and, and even, you know, Derek Gaughan, I mentioned, I mentioned his name. I've gotten to know Derek uh-huh. for a long time now. You know, he started working with us in 2012 and you know knew him even before then and and he's always been a really good influence you know as as a as a cop as a stand up guy uh-huh. and also as an expert in his field yeah. you know understanding how to communicate with people and and how the world spins um so that you know those, those have definitely all those people have been huge influences for me throughout wow that's awesome so finally what drives you to live your best life every day you know this this sounds this sounds really shallow but i've always liked Earning money. Nothing wrong with that. And even when I was a kid, right, and, my, and working for my grandfather when I was eight years old, and I remember cashing my first paycheck and standing on a corner with $163.84 in my hands, right? Back in those days, you had to go to the bank and with the yeah. teller, and they give you the cash. And, you know, I, 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 I like earning money, right? I like being able to provide for the family and, and do the things that that are fun to do, right? That life that, that, that yeah. can afford you, but... More than that, what it's, what it's really become as a business person is exposure to other rock stars in the environment. Mm-hmm. And one great reason to continue to be in this line of business and, and do these types of things is like you run into some rock star people. Absolutely. And a lot of those that came from nothing. And it's just, it is crazy to see 
You know, like, I think I got a band. Look how successful this guy is and look where he started. And it's like, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's a cool thing. And that, that's, that's a huge motivator on a daily being able to meet that next person and then learn from that individual. So, you know, that, that's a cool thing about it. That's definitely a cool thing. It's empowering to meet those amazing people. And I really appreciate having you on today. This was a lot of fun. Where can people find out more about what you guys do and, and get in touch? Well, the, you know, the easy one is, uh, is, is our website, you know, blackswanltd.com. But really the, the key place and where, you know, our subscribers we serve our subscribers the most is through our newsletter. Absolutely. And you can sign up for that on the website or you can actually text the, the word FBI Empathy. I know I realize it's two words, but it's, it's one word in text, all capital letters. Text the word FBI Empathy to 22828 and you can sign up for the newsletter through your cell phone as well. And that, that's, a, that's a great place. We're always addressing you know, concerns of people that reach out to us in the newsletter and, and, you know, advertising for our next live event or our next product for negotiation support, you know, all that stuff hits there first. I can say personally, I've, I read a lot of what comes in through that newsletter. So I definitely recommend go check it out. And, uh, if you haven't read the book, obviously go read never split the difference by Chris Voss. It's incredible. And, uh, definitely check out ego authority and failure by Derek Gaunt which we hope to have him on the podcast here coming soon. So awesome being with you today, Brandon. Thanks so much. Steven, thanks for having me on, man. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level. 